So as Pastor Chad said at the start, we are in uh, our fourth week of Lent already. And our theme this week in our Lenten series again and again is, again and again, God loves first. Now, uh, I was doing some mindless scrolling the other day, as we all do, when I came across an article about social media usage during the past year. My social media has been giving me some clear messages lately, by the way. To no one's surprise, I'm sure, there has been a sharp and drastic increase in social media use over the last 12 months, particularly Instagram. The article mentioned the connection between social media use and unhappiness. When people curate and filter themselves online, the line between what is real and what is filtered, edited, photoshopped becomes harder to see. One of the most downloaded apps for Instagram right now is one called Facetune, which is an editing tool for pictures where you can easily manipulate your pictures to remove wrinkles and gray hair, change your jawline, make your eyes bigger, your lashes longer, your nose smaller, your lips bigger, all the things. When polled, a whopping 65% of Instagram users could not tell the difference between unaltered and altered photos. And one study found that 12% of pictures on Instagram with the hashtag no filter actually have a filter. Now, hopefully at this point, Nick has changed the filter on my face as I'm talking a few times. I don't know what he's gonna choose. I gave him permission to do whatever the heck he wants, so. It'll be a surprise to me later, but I hope you found it entertaining at least. Now this article, while not an official part of my typical sermon prep, has been stuck in my head as I prepared this text. As I read this story about coming into the light and wanting to remain hidden. As Jesus lamented people choosing to be in the dark instead of coming into the light. Now I know, Jesus is not talking about social media, obviously, but I have wondered a lot this week, who sees the unfiltered me? Who do I share the most real and true version of myself with? And maybe you're wondering what this has to do with today's gospel, but I just keep thinking of the light as something, or in this case, someone that reveals reality. And I wondered, after reading this article, what the cost is for us living so much of our lives through filters that hide who we really are. Now, before we fully go into this, I want to jump back in this gospel just a bit. We usually begin this story with the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. We hear that Nicodemus shows up at night to have this conversation, and we end usually with John 3.16, the well-known and much-loved verse. But today's text begins where we usually end and is, in my opinion, as important as what has come before. The question I kept in front of me this week with our theme is what changes about this story when we begin with love? What changes about how we hear the words of Jesus that follow John 3.16 instead of ending with it? For God so loved the world that God gave a son so that everyone who believes may not perish but have everlasting life. 
Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. As Pastor Chad reminded us a few weeks ago on that first Sunday in Lent, Beloved is where we begin. He read a poem of that name from Jan Richardson. And the same is true here. We begin our story, our gospel, the good news today with a reminder that God loves us, loves the world, or in the biblical Greek, cosmos. The whole world, the whole of creation, not just so that God can then condemn those who do it wrong, but the whole world for the sake of love. Luther called John 3.16 the gospel in a nutshell, good news in such a small verse, the whole of the gospel in such a small verse. And I find it such a sad and frustrating misread of such a well-known verse to make it about condemnation. But it's kind of easy to do, and you all knew this was coming because it's been a couple weeks since I talked about her. So in her book, uh, Learning to Walk in the Dark, Saint Barbara Brown Taylor often says that religion and faith and belief are not the same thing, but we speak of them as if they were. She said, in its earliest uses, the phrase to believe meant to set the heart upon or give your heart over to, as in, I believe in love. But in the centuries following the Enlightenment, the secular use of the words belief and believe began to change until they said less about the disposition of one's heart than about the furniture of one's mind. She continues, by the 19th century, when knowledge about almost anything consisted chiefly of empirical facts, belief became the opposite of knowledge. A person's belief in God was reduced to his or her belief system, the unprovable statements of faith that a person judged to be true. When faith is reduced to belief in creeds and doctrines, she says plenty of thoughtful people are going to decide that they no longer have faith. So then this verse may not be about adhering to a certain set of doctrines, but giving one's heart or trust to something other than oneself. This beautiful verse about belief in the love of God. But, as we know, this gospel is more than one verse. And this one verse takes place in a conversation Something big is missed when we take John 3.16 from its place in the Gospel of John. It is in the middle of a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Now, as you've maybe remembered from previous sermons on this very topic by both me and Pastor Chad, Nicodemus was a member of the religious elite, the Sanhedrin, who came to Jesus under the cover of night to ask him some questions of faith. They have a long conversation about faith and what Jesus is about and why he's here. And then Jesus tells Nicodemus the main point is actually not all of these details that he's getting bogged down in, but that God sent Jesus to love. Even those who come under the cover of night to ask questions. And in case you're wondering, it was a little not-so-subtle shade from Jesus there. But also, it's an important part of this conversation 
that we miss when we end at for God so loved the world. In these last few verses of John's third chapter, Jesus says the word phos five times in three verses, referring to himself. Phos means light, that Jesus is the light of the world. The Greek word phos is where we get words like phosphorescence and photo. And Jesus' use of phos here is a very clear and intentional callback to John 1. The light has come into the world and the darkness cannot overcome it. And also, Nicodemus, being a scripture expert, would immediately connect this to Genesis 1, where the earth was formless and void, and God says, let there be light. Same word when you translate it into Greek. We won't go there. The interplay between light and night is important in John's gospel. It comes up a lot. The word used in John 1 for darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it is skoros. It's a word used here by Jesus in John 3 as well. Night is a better translation. Lack of light is probably the best, but we don't really talk like that. So we use the word darkness or night. The point is less the word and more the yin and yang of this. The world was formless and void without light and then God made light. John makes this connection in the first chapter that the light has come and the skotos cannot overcome it. Poetic, yes, also true. There is no night that the light cannot break through. And this is what frames the entire end of this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Light and night, phos and skotos. So then, Nicodemus arriving at night to sit with the light of the world becomes even more significant. And what does Jesus have to say about this, this light, that he is the light? You may have heard these words in today's gospel that Brent read for us, written in this very poetic and very familiar kind of circular Johnine language and wondered, what is Jesus talking about? So I had Katie uh, look up the Spark Story Bible definition or paraphrase instead, and here's what it said. Jesus said to Nicodemus, I am the light of the world. I am all that is good and right, and God sent me to light up the world. Unfortunately, people sometimes like darkness better than light. When we do terrible things, the light is not in us. When we are mean or hateful or horrible, the world becomes a dark place. But when we do things that are good and right, when we love each other and help one another, God's light shines brightly in the world. Throughout all of Scripture, the light of God has an action. It reveals and exposes. Yes, it also heals, but before it can heal, it needs to reveal. We heard this at the very first sentence of our gospel reading today. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so does the Son of God need to be lifted up. Right? This reference that you need to look and see at what it is that is killing you before you can be saved. 
We even use this language of healing and revealing in our confession and absolution when we are called to come into the revealing and healing light of God. Today's gospel speaks this important truth that light comes into the world and sometimes we really don't like it. Because when the light reveals something, it makes us feel vulnerable. Before it can heal, before it can overcome, it reveals, and that revealing can be painful. It, it's life unfiltered, right? How many of your friends or family know the real you? How many of them only see what you allow them to see or only know as much as you allow them to know? God is not like that. God sees you, and the light of God reveals who you really are. And sometimes we have this idea that it's not good enough, that we are not good enough or worthy of the love of God. And yet, God loves us first. This is a thing that God does, not waiting until later we've decided something or said a certain prayer or, you know, decided we've somehow become a worthy enough person for the love of God. No, that is not how this works. The light of God shines on us. And we are revealed for who we are. And God says, my child, I love you. Good and bad, flawed and perfect, both and. There is a vulnerability in being exposed. Reverend Denise Anderson said that she trusts only a few, picture, a few people with a picture of who she really is because she knows that they love her. And there it is. She says God's love calls us into a redeeming fos. Can we trust this love enough to draw back the drapes of our souls? Isn't that beautiful? I think we risk something when we step into the light like Nicodemus, when we take a risk. We risk someone seeing us as we are not hidden, not filtered, not anything else but who we are. It's so vulnerable, so we tend to choose something else. It's easy to assume that those who love darkness are, you know, those bad people over there, but certainly not me. But every time we hide who we are or we step away from being who God has created us to be, when we pretend to be someone we are not, we take a small step into the shadow. The same can be said about what the light of God does in the world as well as what it does for us. The love of God, the light of God, reveals what is true in the world. What is God's light exposing in the world right now? This is something we have all experienced. As of today, it's been a year since we've been in pandemic lockdown in Minnesota. A year. Can you believe it? In a year, we have learned how not to touch our faces. I'm still actually really, really bad at that. That we can sing happy birthday twice as we wash our hands for 30 seconds. We've had a year of wearing masks, learning how to eyeball six feet. 
A year of air hugs and elbow bumps and Zoom happy hours and game nights. A year of missing events, missing loved ones, skipping holidays. A year, you guys, it's a year. A year of virtual birthday parties, virtual weddings, virtual funerals. It's been a year. And in this year, a lot has been revealed. We've seen inequality in the home, in the workplace, in our health care, and in our justice systems, all exposed in new ways. And the light has also revealed how much we need each other. It's so vulnerable and so scary, and yes, sometimes painful when we step into the light, but we remember that God is there first, loving us first. And that is what this gospel is about. I am the light of the world. This is the good news. It always comes back to love. For God so loved the world. For God so loves you. And when we are struggling, when we desire to hide or filter or disappear under the cover of night, we remember this, that God loves us first, already, still, now, again and again. God loves us first. Amen. So Nicodemus then comes under the cover of night to sit with the light of the world and experience the love of God. So it can feel pretty risky, pretty scary, pretty vulnerable to step into that healing, revealing light of God. But it is all love when you are there. So do we take with us the light, the love of God into the world as we go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.